Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. I go home and the door light comes on and my wife, she opens the door and she looks at me. She says, oh, no. She says, what did you, you do? It I, I don't even know this. It's on all the stations and everywhere. It's blowing up. And she says, what you said in the press conference? I said, what are you talking about? Welcome to NFL Total Access, The Locker Room. I'm Brian Billick, and I'm typically joined by Michael Robinson, but he can't be here today, which is a shame because we have a great guest. Today, I'm going to talk to Arizona State head coach Herm Edwards about what it is about that transition from pro back into college and dealing with today's young athlete. Well, I'm joined by a long, long time coach. You and I say that because you and I are the same age, Rev. Yes, coach. So, yes. so uh, Herm Edwards. Uh, but I tell you what, um, I'm loving the chance to catch up with you a little bit. And as we always tell anybody, this is uh, this is called TA Total Access, the locker room. So we got to begin this with one of your better locker room stories. Okay, I'll give you one of my locker room stories. It started on the field, though, and if anybody can remember this play, for some reason it haunts me for the rest of my career. Wait a minute. Here's a free fly. I don't believe it. The Eagles pick it up, and Herman Edwards runs it in for a touchdown. He just loses the snap, doesn't get it, and who's right there? Herman Edwards picks it up on the dead run and goes in for a touchdown. They still call that the miracle of the Meadowlands, although they tore the stadium down, but... Uh, if I can kind of describe what happened, I think you'll, you'll enjoy the story. It, 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 ended, it ended this way, as you know. Um, I, I pick up the ball with 26 seconds left, and I'm running for a touchdown. Well, Dick Vermeil, who's our head coach, he's on the sideline, and I'm actually running the score, but his back is turned away from the field because he's got Jaworski and Carmichael and Wilbur Montgomery, and he's got the offense huddled around him, and he's going, guys, if we get the ball back, you know, we're going to do the last play. You know how that one works, Brian. Throw it over here, run around, right. throw it around, try to score, right, to win this game. 26 seconds left on the clock, obviously, and, you know, I pick it up to score. And while I'm running the score, guys are leaving the bench. 
They're actually leaving the bench and they're running past him. And he grabs one of the guys. He says, where are you going? They say, coach, Herm just scored a touchdown. He said, what? He turned around. Dick Vermeil never saw the play. He never saw the wow. actual miracle of the Meadowlands, me picking the ball up, running for a score. It gets better, Brian. It gets better. Because the next season, Joe Pasarsic, who was the quarterback yep. Yep. of the Giants, he comes to us here. We go to the Super Bowl. He's the backup quarterback behind Ron Jaworski. We know he's coming into the locker room. So you can imagine the whole team is standing at the door when he gets ready to arrive with Dick. Because Dick's going to bring him downstairs and introduce him to the team. So he walks in the locker room and the doors open up and I'm standing there and Bill Berkey has this football and he oh walks in God. and all of a sudden he's kind of, he's, you know, he's like, wow, what is this? And Bill Berkey says, play it again, Sam. He throws the ball in there, bounces on the ground. I pick it up and I give it to, I give it to Mazzara. So he gets Welcome to the Eagles. team that way. Welcome to the Eagles. Welcome to the Eagles, man. How about I got, I'll give you an ancillary story to that. John McVay. Of course, yes. legendary. We all know and love John. Uh, John was a real mentor of mine in San Francisco when he became the general manager for Bill Walsh. Absolutely. But we also had John Ralston. Now, yes. Again, long-time coach. Call him and John, and John, Dale Carnegie, speaker, whatever. Yes. So John McVeigh and I occasionally in some as a booster or whatever, would go with John Ralston when he gave these rah-rah speeches to the, to the fans. He, and we always knew, because John always had speech A, B, or C, and John McVeigh and I would leak each other and go, okay, this is C. Well, one of them was the motivational, it's never done. It's never done. Right. And he tells the story of the miracle in the Meadowlands, and Herm Edwards picking it up, forgetting that the guy he was who lost his job over it <laughs> was John McVeigh. And every time he'd started, John McVeigh would look over me and say, if he tells that friggin' story one more time, I'm deck him <laughs> totally oblivious to the fact that it was John McVeigh that was sitting right there. And that that's, that's a great story. That, that's, that's probably one of the top 10 most memorable plays in the but, NFL. But Brian, to add on to, to McVeigh's aggravation, I go up on the off season. Ronnie Lott is with the 49ers. So I go in the locker room with Ronnie Lott. Cause you know, I live out on the West coast and I'm up there and I know Ronnie, I go in the locker room with Ronnie Lott. And John McVay sees me. Oh my God. Says, Get that guy out of here. <laughs> he's, he saw you in his dreams every night for however many years. And he's laughing. We start laughing. I said, that's how it works. You know, it just works. That would be John. That a good, <laughs> good friend and a good mentor. So, yes, he um, was. let me, you know, when Herm and, and we have a lot of connections, of course, Ray Anderson, you're, you're yes. an athletic director and Ray and I go way back. And when you became the head coach at Arizona state, I was so thrilled because I was so thrilled to have you in the college game. And everything that you bring to it, not only your expertise, but the molding of these young men. And we're seeing, you know, we're, uh, Urban Meyer's making his jump into the – everybody's talking about, gee, some of these college coaches and what's the jump like into the NFL. Talk a little bit about your initial days, whether there was apprehension or adjustment to, okay, now you going back into the college game. Well, I think for me, Brian, it was really an easy transition in, in this sense. Um, when I was working for the Worldwide Leader – ESPN, I had the ability to visit, visit a lot of college campuses in the yeah. spring. I can remember going down to Alabama and Nick having me down there for three or four days, you know, just being around the players. But also I coached the Under Armour All-American game. 
Steve Mariucci okay. coached the one team. I sure. coached the other one. I did that for eight years. And so I was very familiar with the high school athlete that was a senior about to go to college. And it was amazing after about the third year, a lot of these young players would ask me, coach, why don't you go to college? And I said, well, you know, it has to be the right place, right spot, right. Well, as you say, Ray was a big part of it. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, my former agent, your former agent, you know, uh, Marvin's, uh, you know, Tony's had a Denny bunch of, Green, uh, yep, right a bunch of, a bunch of guys. Right. And it was a situation where it wasn't just about football. It was building young men. And to me, that rung a bell. And so I said, you know what? Okay, Ray, let's go do this. Uh, let's go build this program. And so I, I think our philosophy is real simple. Um, allow every student athlete to become the best version of who he is. You know, yeah, Brian, you know, you've been in ball as long as I've been in ball. Look, ball is a place where right. there's a bunch of different personalities from all different walks of life to come together. And they have this journey you take every year. And, and that's the fun about football. You have this plan and you get to go through the journey and there's some dips and some potholes and there's some, some excitement. You miss that. Sure. That's the thing you miss. You know, you, you miss being a guy. You miss living in this. Brian, you and me have been living in the bubble our whole life. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've been around ball our whole life and that's kind of what we do. We function that way. And for me, it was a perfect, it was, just, it was a perfect place. If I was going to come back and leave TV, it was a perfect place for me to come. Well, Mike Robb, my normal partner in doing these, we're always talking about Mike, of course, was a, a overachieving t- quarterback out of college line or, or uh, fullback at, in Seattle and San Francisco, just a tough, true professional. And we're always talking about the, the young, the new young pro and how it's changed and coaching them has changed and the Twittersphere and they all got brand. Oh. Well, you're now with with an, a, a group where it, it, it's where it gets started. Well, talk about some of the things you talked. I know you talked to the rookie seminar and right. now you, you get to get them before they come up here. Tell me about some of the things you're doing to mentor those young people about that process. Well, the first thing I've always told people in life, whether it's athletes, anyone I've ever met is what's your purpose? What, what is your purpose? And it's amazing when you ask them that, that look they get on their face. What is your purpose in life? Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And they look at you like, I... That's, that's a lifetime. Start, you need to start thinking about that, right? Yeah. And from there, it's really this. And I tell every player, I said, look, football is your vehicle. You need to drive the car. Don't let the car drive you, right? You're a, I tell them, you're a student athlete. You're a student athlete. This football thing is an opportunity. It's not a career. No one has a career playing football. It ends. It's going in. Most of the time, it doesn't end on your terms. But in in that journey you take, what are you trying to set up for yourself 10 years from now? Where do you want to be? The only thing a coach can give you, you're an excellent football coach, you got a Super Bowl trophy behind you. Look, we can't give them talent. God gives them talent. How you process knowledge, how you use that knowledge from the classroom and take it on the field will determine your resume as a football player. That's your resume. Every time you walk on the grass, you get to write your resume. Period. That's your resume. How do you want it written? We will give you the information of what it takes if you have the talent to play at the next level. But at the end, you got to go do this. You got to want to do this. 
We will do everything we can help you. The thing I've learned about this league is this. The guys in college have aspirations. They want to know, how can this coach help me get in the league? Mm-hmm. Brian, you was on the other side. I was on the other side. When the players are in the league, they want to know when they get the first head coach or the coordinator, how can this dude keep me in the league? Yeah. How, how does it get me that next contract? How are you <laughs> going to help me? my second contract. Right? And so I think it's still about teaching. You're a teacher. I've always said this. Coaches are teachers. Mm-hmm. Not only the game of football, but life. Because life re- revolves around the same decisions you have to make as a football player. Caring, trust your teammate, doing what's right. You know, all those things come into play. When moments appear where things become hard, you find out a lot about people. And they find out a lot about who their coach is. Yeah. Does it resonate with them? Because everything else, everything outside the building, when, and I know you're, you're oh. preaching this to them, and Marvin, the same way, and trying to mold these young people. They step out of that building, oh. it's you. you got a brand. It's a, don't let anybody tell you. Is it resonating with them? It, it does. And, and I think the key is when you take the job, and I took this job, and I told them this. You know, you walk in, players know who you are. They know. You got to tell them. We, we, I said, look. I've got to earn your trust. You, you respect my title, but I got to earn your trust. Mm-hmm. And I got to be the guy that's consistent every day. You don't rule. You treat everyone fair. You don't treat everyone the same. But I told him that. I said, that's, that's what it's about. I said, guys, I'll be consistent. There's no gray area. There ain't no gray area. And I said, look, there are a lot of outside voices. You make sure when you walk in the building, the only voices you hear are the people in the building. Yeah. Because those are the people that can help you. Everyone else, they say they can help you, but we're the people in your life the next four years that can help you become a better football player. Well, it's, it's such a great message. I and, and I always used to tell college coaches when I do clinic, I said the difference between your league and mine is my guys will tell me if they think I'm full of <laughs> Okay. <laughs> your guys may think it, but they won't say it, but they may think it. Yes. So you you have the same responsibility of every day stepping up there and proving that you don't. No, and you're right. And the thing that I've, I've, I've created a culture where, and, and Brian, you know this, any good football team, the players run it. They run the team. They run the locker room. I tell them, that locker room is your space. I said, now, here's what I expect. Here is the standard. And it takes a while because when you come in – they're not all your guys. There are other so you're trying to recruit this class of players that understand this. And now we're at the point to where, Brian, this is a wonderful thing to watch. The players run. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh they run it now. Because I've been there three years. You, you know, these guys are seniors. They right. stayed another year. I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting because of the COVID situation. So we had one player to get drafted. Brian, on this team next year, Brian, there's ten guys. There's ten. Yeah. We'll have 10 that actually get drafted. So we got a chance. And well, how great it is to have that basis. I, I got to change direction on you a little bit to, because, you know, you're known for so many things. How many times, if not a day a week, <laughs> does someone yell at you oh, or come up? You play to win the game. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. 
because it matters. Tell tell me a little bit about because I know exactly every coach that saw you do that knows what you're dealing with. You're at the end of a tough season. They want to know if you're going to fight, and it's like, are you kidding me, man? What well, you know? Talk about Brian. It. You make a great point, and and I've always said this, and even when I was working for the Worldwide Leader, you know, at times when I first got started, they said, well, "Well, you say it." I never said it. Brian, I said it one time. Yeah. It was on a Tuesday in the press conference. We were a two and five football team right. my second year. We had gone to the playoffs my first year. We we're two and five. And we're struggling. But we're struggling. You know, it's us. It ain't even the it's just us. Right. You know, and I and I told the coach, I said, look, we got to coach them better. And you know, when you're struggling, what do you do? You go back to basics. And so we're gonna go play San Diego on the road. So Tuesday, I'm sitting in there, you know, and the press is all buzzing, you know, talking about your two and five. And Judy Batista, a good friend, mm-hmm. she's the one that kind of brought the question up about, uh, well, you're okay. two and five, or you think she was about to say that quit thing? And I went, whoa, and I go off, and I say what I say. And the reason I said it, Brian, it was not so much to do with football. It was what my father taught me. Father was a military man. He fought in the Korean War in World War II. And he says, son, when you start something no matter where it is and how good it's going, how bad it's going, your name's on it. You got to finish. You don't get to tap out and say, I don't want to do it anymore. He said, it don't work that way. You have to finish. So basically what I was saying was this. I said, we're two and five. He said, what are you talking about? I said, we just need to go win a game. Right. And so I go off, you know, and I kind of, you know, do my deal. and, And right. This is, you know, on Tuesdays, no players are in the building. And it's at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then you go back in the office and you keep working. So about one o'clock, I go home. <laughs> you know, Tuesdays is a little grind night, you know. I go home and the door light comes on. And my wife, she opens the door and she looks at me. She says, oh, no. She says, what did you, you do? Because <laughs> I don't even notice. It's on all the stations and everywhere. It's blowing up. And she says, what you said in the press conference. I said, what are you talking about? You know, you said you played with it. I said, I looked at her. I said, was it good? She said, oh, it was good. It's everywhere. You know? <laughs> did, they spell, did they spell my name right? Okay, it's good. As God is my witness, I go back on Wednesday. You have the team meeting first. Then you split up for special teams. You go offense, defense. You, you know, we have lunch and go practice. So I step up to the podium. And I think it's Chad Pennington. He stands up. Everybody's quiet. I walk up there. And Chad Pennington goes, hey, coach, we heard what you said. And I went, hmm. I said, okay. I said, break. I didn't say anything. We go out to San Diego, coach, we beat them. I mean, it's, uh, I mean we beat them up. We win the division. Yeah. It was one of those things. Yeah. Message I was sending, in life, you don't get to tap out. You got to finish. Yeah. That's now, part and, of it. And, 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 and it is a great message. That, that was for me. And particularly, you know, you you are such always a teacher, even in the NFL. And when you're sitting, it's hard, particularly in a place like New York. I want to ask you about that as well. When you have to stand every day in front of a group of people that, frankly, in a lot of instances, don't know a quarterback from a quarter pounder <laughs> and want you to justify right. what you're doing and why right. you're doing it. And yeah. particularly and, in a place like New York. And, Coach, you know, they, they, they want to know who you're going to bench. Yeah. Are you going to fire any coaches? And I said, what are you doing there that? I changed the quarterback from Vinny to Chad. And I told Vinny, I said, Vinny. And Vinny walked up to me and said, Coach, I get it. 
I said, Vinny, I could change the left guard. I could change the right corner. It ain't going to make a difference. Vinny says, coach, I get it. I said, well, I change the quarterback. It sends a message all of a sudden. Everybody comes and says, whoa, wait a minute. Right. So we changed the quarterback. We ended up getting rolling. We ended up winning the league. I'm going to, I want to go back to, to, to that a little bit. Um, like we talked earlier about John McVay being a mentor. And I remember to remind people just, and John McVay was just a coach. He was just a ball coach. He dated no growing up, ends up being the head coach of the New York giants. And right. he told me, and after, after you, you ran him out of the business with that fumble recovery. <laughs> it wasn't personal. It was yeah, not I know, personal. I know. He comes to San Francisco and ends up being a brilliant general Absolutely. for, for Bill Walsh. And I, and again, John was a great mentor and he, and he told me, he said, Brian, New York sucked the coaching life right out of me. Ooh. And I didn't understand it until I became a head coach in the NFL. Talk a little bit about, I mean, you, and, and, and we have that shared experience, but being a head coach in New York, there's, there's no experience with no. dealing with all, I mean, it's everything we've all dealt with times a hundred. Talk about that experience. Well, it, it is, it is electric. Uh, because it's such a it's such a vibrant city, um, and there's so many sports teams, and there's so many writers, right? And I got a note when I took the job from Parcells. Okay. And, and it basically said this: It says, when you deal with the media, go right at them. Yep. Go right at them. You control the narrative. Don't let them control it. You go at it. And and I went, hmm, interesting. Now, what people don't realize is this, Brian. I played in Philadelphia for almost 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So I get a little bit about that. <laughs> when you play New Yorkers think they're tough. Philadelphia is, <laughs> yeah, that's the tough. real deal. <laughs> and I love Philadelphia. I love it. Love it. Sure. Just love that place. So I was up front. I would give them enough information to write their story. But I always knew, starting the press conference out, I wanted to set where we were going. I didn't let them dictate to me what they wanted to hear. My opening statement basically was, this is what it is, right? And then from, I almost try to put them on the defense rather than being on offense. I was on offense when I went up there. Sure. But I had a great relationship with them. I, I told them as much as I could tell them because I told them, I said, look, I need to help you write your story. But I'm going to make sure I give you enough information where you can write your story. Certain things I cannot tell you. Right. Because that's, it's, it's team-wise. And I think the team understood that, too. And so, for the most part, it was pretty good. Now, it helps when you win, obviously. Sure. Sure. Right? It helps when you win. But I enjoyed it, to be quite honest. <laughs> you know, you the other thing you're known for, and, and like I said, when we started, you were the same age. And and you wear me out just talking to you, man. I mean, where <laughs> where does this energy, I mean, your workouts and the more, getting up early. I mean, I work out every day. I, I pride myself on that. But you're up at like dawn, six, oh, I'm six up four o'clock. Where did, geez, where did that come from? I mean, how do you sustain that? Well, it's just, it's like anything else, Brian, you know this, where we're all creatures of uh, our routine. And I started that real early. I, I knew when I got into coaching, I said, look, if, if, you know, because some coaches come in at 7, 7.30, whatever. Right. I said, well, I got to work out. I don't want to work out in the afternoon. I want to work out in the morning where it's quiet. Nobody can bother you. I can remember going to New York. So I take the job, right? This is a classic. And I'm going to go to work out. And so I drive up the first day and the gate's closed. And there's a guy supposed to be at the gate, but he's not there. It's four o'clock in the morning. He might be sleeping somewhere. I don't know where the security guy was. And I look at the gate, I go in. The gate's locked. 
I hop the fence. <laughs> I leave my car in front of the gate and I hop the fence. About an hour later, the security guard is running in the light. He's running in the waiting room. He's sweating. And he's going, I saw the lights on. I say, hey, man, you got to get up early. I get here early, That's man. That's right. <laughs> he was there the next time. <laughs> but it's just, I get my thinking done. Yeah. For my time, because Brian, you know this, you've been a head coach. Once you walk in the office, mm -hmm. okay, you got 15 staff members. Everybody got a problem. Everybody got a problem. We know right. that, right? Right. You got a, I got 110 players. Everybody got a problem. <laughs> and so the time you need to get done, or, or organizing your thoughts of what you want to get done with the coaching staff when you're going to have a meeting, I get done with all that in the morning before they even get here. I'm free to answer questions to be places uh, where normally I'm not sitting behind me. Oh, I'm busy. I'm, I'm always, I tell them I'm a servant. I serve you guys. Yeah. I, I, that, that was the thing that hit me that, that the only people that come to see you every day have a problem. If they didn't, they wouldn't come see you because they'll take care of themselves. So the only people you're seeing are ones that need something from you and have a problem. And you work in a building where there's 125 people. You ain't coming to work every day with somebody not having a problem. Right. <laughs> somebody right. got, they want answers. And you know what's funny, Brian, because of me working, getting up early like that. Well, okay. So then I go to work for, for the worldwide leader. Well, they're on the East coast. I'm living in Carmel, California. Wow. So guess what? When 816 area code shows up, if they call me at five o'clock in the morning, say, hey, man, we need you to come on this show. Cause you ain't in the studio right now. I got to be up. That's right. So, you know, so it works both ways. Well, it's a great routine to get into. Yeah. And you, you, you look great. You're in great shape. Right, I got to ask you, uh, and cause, and, and, and I didn't realize this till I was actually uh, reminded my, you know, went and, and was reading about your career as a player. And you never missed a game or a practice looking back on, and we're talking about now a second game schedule. I want to actually add that about that a little bit as well, but looking back on that, do you ever kind of go, yeah, that's great. And I'm proud of that, but you know what? I probably should have, I should have laid down here or there just to. Here was my thought, Brian. And this was, I'm talking, here's funny because from high school to college to professional football, I was a high school athlete. Then it was the 10th grade. Mm -hmm. uh, got to college. They passed the rule where freshmen actually could play. Well, right. I played against you. Well, you at BYU, correct? Yes, correct. That's the game you guys beat us actually. Yeah. Right. Right. Nielsen was the quarterback. I can remember this. I said, you know, the thing I learned about just being an athlete, and they all say this, I'm coachable. Right. Be available. Right. There you go. Be available. And I knew you practice more than you play. You practice way more than you play. You pra all those practice days in the NFL, you play 16. College, you play 12. High school, you play 11 or 12. But you prepare more than you play. I like the preparation. And I said, the thing I won't do, I'll never miss a start as a high school athlete, college athlete, or professional athlete, but never miss the practice. And here's what I felt, Brian, especially when I got to pro ball. When I walked into the huddle, those other 10 guys, they looked at me and went, that dude's always here. We can count on him. That was me. I wanted to be accountable to my teammates. That, that was just me. I didn't want to miss. I, I didn't want to, I didn't miss anything. I said, I don't want to miss. Fortunate, I stayed healthy for the most part of my careers. Um, you know, I had some nicks and bruises where I couldn't, right. but I said, no, nah. that was my claim to fame. Well, and it's tough, particularly in today's game, for players oh. to understand, look, playing hurt and playing injured are two different things. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's hurt. Get out there, man. 
Hey, Brian, you know what I tell those guys? If you ain't hurt or injured, <laughs> you ain't, you ain't playing. playing. That's you right. Basically, you don't play. Yeah. <laughs> you always feel good. The uh, the schedule's coming out soon, which yeah, I know yes. for me, and I'm sure it was the same for you, is always an exciting time because now, now it's real. We got our draft. Yes. We got our players. I know who I'm going to play. I know where I'm going to play them, but now I know when they're going to play them. Talk a little bit about that process you would start to set up your schedule. And now that we've got that extra game, the 17 games, how you would approach now the fact that these, it's getting longer yep. and we got to do more and more to keep these players fresh. Well, I think now in today's world, because the players make so much money, good for them. A lot of them have their own personal trainers off the season. Off season. And, I, and I told the veterans this, look, if I have to get you in shape to play football, we're in trouble. Yeah. This is your livelihood. This is what you do. This is not a hobby, by the way. So I always told the veteran guys, I said, look, you come in here. I anticipate you. I will get you in football shape when we get to the preseason. Right. I, you will play enough. My number was about 60. Right. And, and, you know, back then, you know, if you get 60 plays in, you're a good. Game. Basically almost a game. And I said, the young I used to tell the young ones, this is where you get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play it because I want to see how you go play. And Brian, you probably did the same thing. When you played the last one, I wanted to make sure any backup player that was going to play, he needed to play with the first unit to feel the pressure of that. Right. He needed to play against the ones. Let's right. say we were preseason against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'd call coach and say, coach, how long are you playing your guys? He said, I'm going to play him until about the second quarter. I said, good. I said, I'll play my guys. I'm going to put some, some of the twos in there because I just want to see how they're going. So I wanted to, you know, I called it real football. I said, I want you guys to go play against the varsity players to see how what it looks like, yeah. to give them some confidence to figure out where they were. So I kind of orchestrated the preseason that way for me. How would you do it now when, because now, of course, last year they had no preseason, so right. certainly they have a way to adjust. But if you had three, with only three, I'm asking coach, all of them to see – are you going to sit them and, and or do like we used to do with four and not do anything in the third one and just go two? Or are you going to stretch it out? How are you going to handle three? Yeah, Coach, I think I'm going to do it this way. Uh, the first one, they might get a, a series or two and get them out to start it off. And then the, the second one, that would probably be the one for me. And then the third one, you know, that's when you got to make the decision. Right. Who you gonna let go? Uh, you know, and, and everybody wants to know the third one because that's where you know if you're gonna let a guy go, who am I gonna pick up if someone gets because right. you know the preseason is about not always looking at your guys, but the other guys that might get sure. cut, right? Because <laughs> sure. let's say you're down a couple offensive linemen, say, hey, look, I like that kid. They signed him as a free agent, he might not make it. So you're always looking at those other teams too. So I would probably handle it that way. Brian, these guys know in today's world, and I'm happy for the for the guys, they make a lot of money. Right. They know, look, I got to get ready to play. You, you think Tom Brady needs uh, – how many reps does Tom Brady need, right? I mean, yeah, there's, right. there's a point to where you go, hey, look, man, you know, I, here's my trick. So, when I used to have Curtis Martin, so I tell Curtis Martin, I said, Curtis, I said, now here's the deal. I said, you're going to get about three carries. He looked at me, what? That's it. And I said, when I get you in the game, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw you a pass, and it's going to be running toward the out-of-bounds. When you catch it, you run out of bounds, right? And I said, I'm going to give you one on the goal line. If we get down there, we're going to run you straight. You get tackles, and you score. That's great. That's it. Yeah. You're not getting beat up. I am not going to beat you up. 
You've been hit enough. I don't need to see what you're going to do. You just got to get in. You got to get in shape and practice. I'm not worried about you playing in the game. You know, there'll be some live drills and practice, some blocking stuff. But for the most part, Brian, I'm trying to protect my guys. Sure. That's what it's all about. Getting yeah. them, get them to, I remember Bill Walsh would always start every training camp telling his coaches, your job one is to get them to the opener, healthy and fresh. Now we got, we got a lot of other stuff we got to get done. But job one is to get them healthy and fresh because that's going to make their Well, Coach, this has been great. Some great stories. I really appreciate it. For more insight with a locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.